Hey, welcome back to Gear Talk and Noria Podcast. I'm Wes Cash, your host. And today we're going to be talking more of the soft skill sides of things. We are going to be talking specifically, how do we get buy-in from our maintenance staff to improve our reliability program? And I'm excited to have Paul Farless with us here today, because remember, the whole goal of this podcast is to understand you know, the individual, and we are connecting reliability professionals with reliable information. So Paul, why don't you give us a little bit of introduction about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Paul Farless. As he said, I've been with Noria for going on five years now. Yeah. Um, they've taught me a lot. Uh, I love working here, and I get to see you know a ton of different places. I've been to countless number of plants from <laughs> That's around the world. Yeah, at this point. literally global. Um, anything from dog food to roofing to you know whatever you could throw in there, we've been to that plant. There's a good chance. Um, which gives me a unique advantage in the field because I've been I've had a lot of experience in a short amount of time. I've seen yeah. a lot of different issues, a lot of different failures, things like that. Um, a lot of a lot of positive things as well. Um, but one of the main things that I see in most of the plants is this common issue of actually getting the team to buy in, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about that. You and know, when I was asked to come on, I think that you have a good background with this, right? Because you're uh, prior military, right? Yeah. So you come from uh, the Navy, where I mean, obviously a team, because you're going to be out on a on a ship for an extended amount of yeah, time. Exactly. Right. Um, you do uh, firefighting. You're a volunteer firefighter. So once again, a big team uh, mechanism there. Right. Yep. You have to have trust and everything else. So I mean, this is something that I mean, you live in a daily basis, right? Oh of yeah. Making sure that everyone's together, everyone's working the same way, yep. and trying to I don't know find focus yeah. to actually and what move I always forward. like you know what I always think of is you know. Any team, regardless if it's all male or you know co-ed or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, it's st- it's always a brotherhood. Like sure. you were talking about the military, you know, my division, I was a gunner's mate. You know, we had females in our division, but it was a brotherhood, right? right? You know, if we're not all on the same page, you know, this goes back to, you know, a football team, a baseball team, you know, in, in school, uh, a military division, a you know, the firehouse with with the guys. You know, it's like if if. We don't all have the common goal, the common vision, the big picture. Mm-hmm. We're not all doing things individually, executing those tasks, you know, day in and day out to to get to that end goal. I mean, then a lot of these efforts and these big investments on the front end are are for nothing, more or less, if you can't get everybody on the same page. And you do see it time and time, you know, time and time again, uh, you know, like we talked about all the... Uh, the different plants that I've been to and things sure. like that, you go in and it's like you'll have a team of, let's say, 10, sure. uh, 10 guys, right? Whether that be lube techs or maintenance techs or whatever they may be, lubricators, we'll call mm-hmm. them. So we'll say frontline staff because these, yeah. are, these are the people that are actually going out there day in and getting day stuff out. done. Exactly. They're, yes. they're fixing machines. They're doing the PMs, whatever it is. So frontline yeah. staff. Yeah. So I go in there and I see these, you know, these guys and girls and, you know, We'll say eight out of ten of them are super gung ho. They're motivated. They come in. They want to do their job correctly. They want to, uh, you know, improve the reliability. They want to improve. You know, everybody wants to be better at their job. I mean, if you don't want to be better at your job, I mean, there's something sure. you know wrong with your attitude. I, I would say that's something that we should personally get in check. But it's always the well. It might not be a good fit. It might not be a good. Yeah, exactly. There's so. plenty of reasons, but I always see these. You know, one or two people that seem to be, for lack of better terms, the bad apple. 
Or just reluctant to change. Yeah, yeah, just very hesitant, uh, resistant, uh, I'd say. And the thing is, is I think that's human nature. I get resistant to change. You know, we we talk about this a lot, you know, just mm-hmm. in our personal conversations. It's like I'll get a big change in life, you know, and we talk about, you know, faith and stuff like that mm-hmm. every now and then. And it's like, you know, you you pray for answers. You 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 talk to whatever God you're you know you're into, and you kind of you want that sign to say, hey, you know, am I am I right? You know, in this uh, in this role or whatever it may be. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I think what I see the most, and this, like I said, this goes back to sports teams and military and firehouse and all of those things. At the end of the day, it's usually the the issue is why those people are reluctant to change or hesitant to change. What I see is that they don't understand fully what the big picture is. They are just told to do something. Yeah. And then they're like, my job has just now become even more tedious, you know, and don't connect it to yeah, kind of an end goal. Exactly. And they don't see that making these small day to day changes and having this culture change actually happen will actually, you know, in the long run, we're not playing. We're not. I'm not worried about next week. I'm worried about, you know, I mean, you talk about goals all the time. I'm setting goals for five years from now and 10 years from then. Yeah. Right. So I'm always thinking long term. Um, how can I make my job not only and I don't want to say easier because sometimes work is work and it's going to be work and you got to work hard. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I want to become more efficient at my job. Sure. Right. Well, and there's a difference between. All right. If your job is a very tactical job, meaning you've got stuff that you got to do, you know, day to day that impacts the here and now. And maybe you don't have as much of an impact in the strategic aspects of things. Yeah. Right. It may be hard to have that kind of a you know, connection of how what you're doing right here now actually impacts five, 10 years from, from yeah. now. Yeah. Now, I want you to walk us through this, right? Because you're a consultant, right? You go out to these plants, you're focusing primarily on lubrication programs, and you go in and you may score them and say, all right, these are the things that you need to change. You may go out for coaching, support, you know, a lot of different things. So, when you go out there, maybe it's an initial visit and you set a game plan with the the customer and say, this is how we need to, to go. This is the things that you need to focus on. How do you start getting buy in there? Because you're going to be working with different levels of people. Yeah. You're going to be working with uh, frontline staff. You're probably going to be working with managers, right? So now yeah. a little bit more removed. You may be working with engineers or even plant management. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of hierarchy there yeah. that you, you got to deal with. So this kind of a a multiple part answer to that sure. question because I like how you bring up the different levels of uh, we'll call them characters in the team, right? You've yeah. got your your reliability engineer, you got your maintenance uh, manager or supervisor, right? That works under him. Then under you know him, you you might have the actual frontline staff, like we talked about, and it's a little bit different at each level to get them to buy into change or get them to want to change. Now, you know, talking about the reliability engineer, nine times out of ten, if it's a plant driven uh, project instead of a corporate driven project, the reliability engineers already bought in, or okay. he wouldn't have called us in the first place, right? Okay, um, that's a lot. For of the, the record, times. I want to circle back on the corporate driven thing as well. Yeah, yeah, and okay. I will. Okay. Um, but then you go into you know the the maintenance supervisor or manager, one under the reliability engineer, and that may be different plant to plant. But generally, when we come in there, I like to you know first off just get a meeting with those guys mm-hmm. and uh, you know and talk to them about 
what are your reliability goals? Are are you two even on the same page or is the management team on the same page? Because that's where it all starts. So this kind of clears the air. Yes, that kind clears of the air. Starts that gets, to put everything on paper. Yeah, it, we're putting the puzzle together here, right? Yeah. And then because I'll go out to the field. I'm guessing people may have different ideas. Oh, I yeah, mean, 100%. That, and maybe they've never had that discussion before. Yeah. And, and a lot of the times they have when I go in there, they've had some somewhat of a discussion. But, you know, lubrication specifically uh, is generally what I talk about when I go in there because uh, when we talk about reliability, mm-hmm. vibration, thermography, lubrication, ultrasonic, you know, whatever it may be, that's lubrication is a it's a large piece, but it's only one piece of that mm-hmm. of that pie. And and it's, it's a pillar for you know, yeah, reliability. Success, yeah. Yep. Um, and I think that you know sometimes they don't put enough emphasis on lubrication. So what I do generally is I'll give them a pseudo informal training. Okay. Um, and it's just very conversational like you and I do a lot. Um, and I just let them know about the the front-end investment is going to have a large back-end return on investment, right? Yeah. That's, you know, when you talk about managers and engineers and things like that or plant, uh, you know, supervisor staff type, type roles, it's all numbers. You know, it's a lot of numbers to them. Uh, well, I, I agree that at some point, right, at some level – someone's going to have to talk dollars. Yes, exactly. Right? I, I think everyone will agree, hey, if we can do something that makes things better, we want to do it. Yeah. But it may not make the most financial sense right now. Exactly. It may not slot in in priorities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like how you say, you know, you start getting everyone on the same page. Because I think, you know, having that that vision, right, is what a lot of people yeah. point out to, or a common goal. Um, this is why corporations have mission statements, vision statements, right? Exactly. Because we're trying to align to a, to a point so we don't have all these, you know, disparate efforts. Yeah. So, all right, so you've met with the maintenance uh, yeah. manager, you've met with the reliability engineer, and now you said you're going to the field. Yep. Yeah. So now, I, I, you know, I go into the field, and I'm usually only guided around by one or two, you know, people, just depending on area to area in mm-hmm. the plant. Excuse me. And uh, generally, I just more than, you know, I'm looking around, I'm paying attention when I'm assessing a program, right? Mm -hmm. I'm doing my job. But more than that, I'm also building a relationship with each individual that I do meet, especially at the at the ground level that that um, field staff like we was talking about, because, you know, these are the guys and gals that they don't often get to see the big plan. They don't often get to see the big picture. They're more times than not, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're just getting tasks passed down to them. Hey, get these done. Here's move your, forward. here's your work order. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, here's your list. Get the list done by the end of the week. Report back to me. Give me any notes for abnormal conditions. Right. Um, but I, you know, I, I do believe that that breeds some, uh, Disconnect. Yeah, disconnect between, you know, field staff and we'll call them, for lack of better terms, office staff, right? Okay. Um, And what I like to generally talk to those people about is, you know, why they brought me in here. Mm -hmm. You know, not only do they get to know who I am on a personal level and a professional level, but I let them know exactly why we're in here and what the result could potentially be, you know, given you know, that they actually change the way they're doing things. They actually become more tedious and more uh, detail oriented in their in their task. And I'm talking specifically about lubrication stuff, yeah. you know, maintenance aside, just how you're greasing equipment, how much grease, uh, sorry, how much grease you're you're putting in this motor and how often you're greasing that motor, mm-hmm. um, how you're cleaning your your stored oils, how you're disposing of your uh, used oil versus waste oil, right? Yeah. Knowing the difference between that, all those different things. 
how all these little changes, I call it, you know, when I give these, uh, the ML1 training, I always call it, you know, in the beginning, we are building the foundation in the house of lubrication. And each of these aspects, right, are, are individual bricks. Mm-hmm. Um, so training is an individual brick. There's individual bricks within that, right? There's yeah. what type of training? Am I, do I need training on ultrasonic greasing? Do right. I need training on filtration? How to pick a filter? You know, what is viscosity? Why is viscosity important? All of these little things, they add up. And then we start talking about, you know, uh, contamination and what that does and the effects that that has, right? So that's just a training example. But I explained to these, these gentlemen and these ladies that, look, if you make these changes, if you change the way you're doing things, I am passionate about this because I've been on the other side of this and I yeah. know that it can be frustrating, but I'm telling you right now, and I, and I truly believe in this, if you make these changes in the long run, your job becomes easier. So that's, I mean, that's somewhat evangelistic, right? I mean, you're, you're going out there and you're, you're preaching saying, man, I, there is a better way. Yes. You, you haven't seen it, but just trust me, it's right around the corner. Yep. You just have to take these steps. Yep. So what do you think is that, that click? What do you think is that, that initial thing when people go, you know what? I think he's right. You know, I, yes, we need to, to start doing this. So I think it's a little bit, it's kind of a mixture of how I, you know, and I'm not trying to be cocky about this, but I think it's a mixture of how I am as a person because I feel like I can gain somebody's, and not in a manipulative way, but in a true, honest way, I can gain somebody's trust, you know? And um, when I when I tell them, you know, my past, uh, when we're talking about what'd you do before this, you know, I turn wrenches, I, you know, I'm the same, I am that guy. Mm-hmm. That I'm talking to, so I, you know, I feel like I know them already when I go in there. Yeah. But once, once you know, they I gain their trust and and back and forth, right? Um, I think that opens the door for them to trust what I'm saying because I'm a young guy, um, and although it doesn't seem like I have a lot of experience, I do have a lot of experience. I've seen a lot of things in this industry, um, and it's like once they see how 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 honest my passion is for it, mm-hmm. and how I know I truly believe. That if you make these changes in the long run, you will fight less fires. We want you to get, that's a big part of LUPM, right? That's what I tell them. We want you to get to a a level where you are inspecting and monitoring more than you are regreasing or changing oils or anything like that, right? We go back to the training thing. You want to reduce the amount of repairing, replacing, rebuilding, and removing. Yeah. Now you're going out there. Now, when it comes to like ultrasonic greasing, you're doing it once a month anyways, but you're trending and tracking and yeah, things. Yeah, maybe more depending yeah, on the plant. whatever sure. it may be. Um, but you're going out there and you're fighting less fires. When I tell somebody that if you make these changes, you're going to go out there and all you got to do is check sight glasses and check for abnormal conditions, that becomes a lot easier to them. And not only does that help them in their lubrication program, in their day-to-day life, but they might be maintenance techs. Yeah. Right. They're not, you know, not all these companies have these lube champions that we call them. You know, they're not dedicated to lubrication. They're dedicated to their maintenance, to their craft, Mm -hmm. which I, you know, I highly respect. But what I tell them is, is if you get lubrication correct, you're going to be fighting less fires as a maintenance technician. You're going to be out there replacing and rebuilding a lot less than you are right now because it sucks. I know for a fact it sucks going into work in the morning. You get up at what, 5 a.m., whatever it may be. You go in for a 12 hour shift. And as soon as you get to work, you have this stack of work orders to do and then all of a sudden stuff starts breaking and now all those work orders go out the window because I got to fix I got to fight this fire I got to fix what's broken and then do my you know my regular normal routine stuff right and that's what I explained to them you know I'm not just trying to you know 
do my job. I'm not just trying to come in here and, you know, they call me to do, you know, build your lubrication program or assess your lubrication program. So I'm just going to tell you what you need to do and leave you there. I'm we're, I'm here to help the whole time. You can call me. You can text me. I have customers all the time calling me and texting me. Most of the time talking about hunting and fishing because <laughs> that's, that's what we do. You know, I talk to those guys about hunting and fishing. I'm very passionate about that. But they always, you know, they call and text, you know, Travis and I, and I'm, I'm sure yourself as yeah. well. Um, you know, just about general questions about, you know, they're hesitant to do things a certain way because they want to do it right. That's when I know they are willing to put in the investment. Yeah. They're willing to personally on a professional level, when they go into work, they're willing to make these changes. They're willing to go that extra mile to it's, it's a, it's an investment on the front end mm-hmm. of your own time yep. to get more time back in, in, well, the, in return. It's also a little bit of putting your reputation at stake, yes. right? Because someone's going to you know follow and say, you know what? I believe you. So I'm going to take whatever actions I need to, to take to make it happen. Yeah. If we just threw everything you said in a pot and we boiled it down to its simplest components, right? It sounds like what we're left with is you're going to start with getting everyone on the same page. Yep. And not necessarily saying we need to do it one way or the other, just understand where everyone sits. Yeah. You're going to be building rapport with the people that you're working with. So now you're connecting at both a personal and a professional level. Sounds like education is key to this. Actually showcasing, all right, yeah. there is a better way to, to do it. And then from there, I guess you're offering you know, tools, resources, expertise to, yep. to enable it. So, I mean, would you say, I mean, those four things? Yeah, are, I think the biggest, you know. You, you touched on two things right there that I think are uh, that I think are overlooked quite often is when you're paying the big picture, when you're trying to get that buy in, it's one thing to go out and say, hey, I know you're just putting two pumps of grease in these bearings and everything. But now I want you to put point two, three ounces yeah. in that bearing. Right. And that guy's going to be like, yeah, get out of here. Yeah. You know. That's where training comes in. Right. There is a we're not just coming up with this stuff out of nowhere, out of thin air. Right. This this is very calculated. This is very, you know, thought through. And I'll be honest, it wasn't me that thought through these things. Right. These are principles and and knowledge that was passed down from you to me, from from Jim to me, from Bennett to me, my yeah. surroundings. Even these plants, I learned so much. You know, some of these guys have been in these plants longer than I've been alive. And I'm That's not right. kidding. Longer than I've been alive. I'm 30 years old. Yeah. And they've been in the plant 35, sometimes even 40 years. I soak up every bit of knowledge I can from these guys. And we yep. talk about tribal knowledge all the time. But, you know, that training, you know, showing them why this is the better way to do that. Yeah. Is so huge. Well, there's such, there's a, a sense of engagement at that point yes. too, right? And usually they say that's the best barometer of someone's either satisfaction with their job or um, how well they like coming to work is the level of engagement that they put out. You know, so these are voluntary suggestions that then get enacted upon, right? It shows that there's actually yeah. a, a give and take. Yeah. And behind training, you know, the other point that I was saying was support. You said that at the yeah. end. Um, not only you know, support from us, the support from us will be there, right? You've hired us to do a job. If I put my name on a job, I'm going to give you my very best effort. That's one thing about me. It's, it might not be fun all the time, but I will give you my best effort. I guarantee you that. Now, on the other side of that, if they don't have the support from, you know, their managers or their, you know, their corporation or whatever it may be. This may tie back. I said, I wanted to come back into the corporate side. Yes. So is that an issue? You see corporate push this and they may not give the support that is needed. Yeah, and I think that's why I brought that up in the beginning was, uh, you know, the difference between cor- uh, corporate-driven projects and plant-driven projects, right? So when it's plant-driven, those guys are generally 
more bought in already because they've had these conversations. Well, it's more grassroots. Yeah, it's exactly. It's more grassroots. That's an excellent way to put it. Um, but when it's corporate, and I get it, you know, sometimes someone you know, from outside your plant, they see something or, you know, they might, it might not have anything to do with your plant specifically. We might have in this corporation X, right? X corporation might have 15 uh, you know, 15 plants of all different types of processes, right, across the U.S. or whatever it may be. Well, plant A of that corporation might be running fantastically, mm, but yeah. plant Z might not be running that great. And they're so they're basing. They get all lumped you're together. You're only strong as your weak, you know, your weakest link, right? So that corporation will go in there and say, hey, we want to we want to soup up Z to where it's on A's level. I know this is a weird example, but we call they call Noria. We come in and we do this assessment. We we get this culture change. We, we build these programs and plant A feels slightly, you know, well, they feel slighted a little bit like, oh, we're not doing a good enough job, you know, or things like that. And, you know, or, hey, you know, they're kind of uh, chip on the shoulder type of thing where we're good over here. We don't need corporate help necessarily. Yeah. So we come in there and it's always some friction. And I think that, uh, you know, that's one thing we talk about just in, in our own team is the fact that, you know, when it comes to working in services at Noria, you got to be a certain type of individual. You got to be somebody that can get along with anybody. I can get get along with that brick wall right there. You know what I mean? I could talk to anybody. But the thing is, is we're genuine about it. Yeah. I'm not going in there and faking these relationships. If I don't mesh with you, or you know, some people just don't mesh together. You know, that's what it is. But I'm still going to try to help you regardless, right? Yeah. And I think that's a big thing. Is uh, I'm kind of getting off subject here, but. <laughs> You know, with the cor- you know corporate versus plant driven you know projects, I think the the corporate driven projects uh, are a little bit more difficult to get that buy in. Um, now, is that something that we deal with a lot? Yes. Is it something that I change my process for? No. I do the same exact process in every plant because I feel like my I, I don't even want to take credit for it, but. I would say my process, the way I do it, uh, I feel like it is proven. I feel like it works. I'm very passionate about how I do those things. It doesn't show at all. Yeah, yeah. No (laughs) kidding. But, you know, when I go in there and it's a corporate-driven project, even I get a little frustrated sometimes because you go in there and these guys, they don't necessarily see why they need to change. And it might just be these very minuscule changes, and that's what I tell them. Well, you're probably starting off, you know, kind of on your heels a little bit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I'm getting the the time signal here, so it's been a great conversation, and it's one that we need to unpack a lot further, it sounds like. I can go Uh, all day. (laughs) (laughs) But I do want to give you the, the last word. So, I mean, I want you to, you know, are there any, you know, pearls of wisdom, or if you wanted to, to boil down, you know, just a few key points, what do you want the, the listeners to take away? Well, like I said, I'm only 30 years old, so I, I don't have a lot of wisdom in me. But uh, as far as getting, you know, buy into your program, you know, and I think you taught me this is metrics go so far. Post those metrics in the Lubrum, post them in the lunchroom or whatever, right, to show them that the changes that you are doing every day, the things that you are now, uh, the changes that you have made are directly making an effect. Yeah. Show the increased life in, in machine life due to lubrication practices. Show these KPIs, right? Give them a signal that they are doing well at their job. Showcase the wins. Exactly. Showcase the wins. I think more than anything, that gets more buy-in than than all the other stuff, right? Just showcase the wins. Tell them if they're doing the correct thing, 
you know, I'm not saying praise them, kiss their feet, but go in there and, and let them know that they're doing a good job, you know? Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing right there. I think that's fantastic. Well, Paul, I definitely appreciate it. For all of our listeners and viewers, thank you so much. This, once again, has been another episode of Gear Talk. Please like and subscribe. It really helps us out. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or even suggestions for other topics on Gear Talk, you can always email us at podcast at noria.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.